It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Thursday after July 4th. It is the holiday edition of Sports Talk. Now, we used to get George Shire in on... uh, Yeah, try that other one there, George. That one right there. That should be good. Say hello. Hello there, You got him? You got George? George Shire used to come in with us on Saturdays, but I don't work Saturdays anymore. A holiday edition. We're calling this the Summer Slam Bam. Uh, the <laughs> AWA Summer Slam Bam. George Shire, uh, AWA expert, is uh, with us. Uh, 651-646-8255 later on as we get rolling here. And remember, George has the answers you have the question. Here's what that's I love a, about this segment, Pat. Yeah. And this is how how much I know you love this segment. This is the only time you openly solicit for phone yes, calls. Yes, that's right. <laughs> As a, otherwise, I use the Bob H theory. I don't call you at work. You don't call me at work. <laughs> uh, George, how's the uh, summer going so far? Hey, the summer's going good. And you know, Reavers, I want to share a story with you about Patrick. Oh, please. He, when you say that you know he's excited, I remember one Saturday when I came in here, maybe a year or two back, and he came out into the lobby to get me, and he says, well, I'm so tired of talking about baseball and football <laughs> and hockey. He says, we're going to talk some wrestling. That's right, and Beautiful. I'll tell you what, George, if you're not talking tired about talking about the Twins or even mentioning them, uh, you ain't trying. you're not trying the way things are going. But first... You told me about the break that you take every summer with your bride and make a baseball trip. We have been doing that for a number of years now, and we take it through Buckley Tours. Okay. They do tours all over and the country. And you can say KNUJ and New Orleans right. kind of facilitates it, and the polka station of the nation. It exactly. Used to be. We, uh, we hooked up with KNUJ Radio a few years back, and uh, Jim Bartles, the uh, station manager down there, and... My wife is, I'll, I'll confess, she is the baseball fan. She I knows bet, her. I bet, I bet in the old days she kept score. Huh? Well, she does. She mm-hmm. does. But she knows her baseball. She loves baseball. We love it together. And so um, I've been to all 30 ballparks. She mm-hmm. has only five to go, and she's okay. going to pick up two of them this summer okay. in a couple of weeks. All right. So you've been to all 30, and that includes the new versions yep. in, the other, in the other. How many have you been? Like, were you ever to the old Comiskey or anything like that? Uh, or yes. just the new? So, yes. so you yes. got more than yeah. 30. Yeah. Probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, and then you, you if you want to yeah, count Tiger Met, Stadium, Met Stadium and yeah, all right, these in right, there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you so, gotta. You, someday you gotta go down and account for all the ones you went to. The old Yankees. This this Yankee Stadium is 
You know, there's three that you could have been at. Well, I, that's true, but I I'm haven't not been that at old. the new one, but I was at the <laughs> other two. So, so we are going in a couple of weeks, and uh, she's excited, my wife, because she's going to get to see Toronto this year. Okay. That's one of hers that she hasn't been to. And, and that's the only time on the trip you're seeing the Twins. Oh, uh, yeah, and they're going to see two games there, actually. Okay, that's Just lucked out on that one. And then we're going to, her next ballpark we're going to see on this trip that's new for her is Pittsburgh, which Fantastic. is my personal favorite of the new ballpark. I, I love it, too. It's uh, it's uh, The setting is fantastic oh. on a nice summer night, looking at the city down yep, there. Overlooking that uh, Allegheny River mm-hmm. and, the, and the bridges and the downtown landscape, uh, it is my favorite new ballpark. Yeah, I uh, I enjoyed it. I always tell the story. My, my uh, son and I went there in 06 uh, when the Twins played a three-game series. First time I was there, and we stayed at a hotel which made it even more memorable where they were having a furries convention. The people who dress up like animals and yep. uh, you haven't lived until you walk in a bar and uh, everybody's dressed and having just sitting there having a casual conversation uh, dressed like a cat wow. or some damn thing or a tiger or something. That would have so been something was, this last it, weekend. It was a good one. Yep. So uh, since we saw you uh, last, you went to Wichita Falls for the, uh, what are we calling that Hall of Fame? The Hall of Fame in Wichita Falls is the Pro Wrestling Wrestling Hall of Fame. Fame. Okay. And there's another one that's got pros and amateurs? Right. The one in Iowa is the Dan Gable Mm -hmm. uh, Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. And as fans know or people know that Dan Gable was the world's greatest amateur wrestler. Yes, yes. And so Waterloo, Iowa has that particular museum. But they have a separate wing Mm-hmm. That is the George Tragos Luthez Professional okay. Wrestling Hall of That's Fame. That's just a wing, though. This one in Wichita Falls, dedicated strictly to pro wrestling. Strictly to pro wrestling. And, and they took it over a couple, three years ago? Well, yeah, they moved to Wichita Falls. This is their fourth year down there coming up now. They were in Amsterdam, New York, not too far from where the Baseball Hall of Fame is. And it wasn't doing really well up there for a variety of reasons, some of it management, etc., but... It did uh, move to Wichita Falls. And Wichita Falls is the heartbeat of Texas wrestling back in the day. I suppose they had some great wrestlers and all, stuff come out of there. Oh, yeah, all over Texas. I mean, Texas actually, aside from, if I said AWA wrestling, yeah. Texas would have been my favorite other area. Mm-hmm. Where you go to Texas, they had, because of the state itself being so big, Yes. You had four or five individual wrestling promotions that thrived not only in their own major city, but all the surrounding cities they could promote in. Who captured the uh, television market down there? Because Texas wrestling was on as long as the AWA wrestling was it, it's, on. Maybe it's, been on it's been on forever, but about 1966, that's when Fritz Von Erich mm-hmm. bought the Texas wrestling in Dallas, Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. And then Paul Bosch, who was a promoter, former wrestler from the 40s and 50s, he took over Houston. And then San Antonio. So they had, so te- the Texas wrestling I saw was just one of the just several one, options. Just huh? one. Okay. You, you had Joe Blanchard in the southwest part in San Antonio. You had uh, the Funk Brothers, mm-hmm. Dory and Terry, along with Daddy Dory Sr. They ran Amarillo territory. And... um just it thrived. I mean, anybody who was anybody worked in Texas at some point, and 
they always bragged how if you were in a Texas death match, you were in a death match. <laughs> <laughs> what was a Texas death match? What, we had a rope tied each other up, or what did we do? Well, you know, it always bothered me as a kid because we'd have, we'd have wrestlers that were going to fight in a death match. Yes. And I always thought, geez, you know, this is interesting because I'm going to see somebody die tonight. <laughs> yeah, and it never but, happened. But ironically, uh, they're always back next week you know, yeah. trying to get revenge again. But the promotion's done right, it works. But uh-huh. a, Tex- a, a Texas death match, or a death match. Uh, Mad Dog Vashon had an Algerian death match, <laughs> you know. And but the, the main thing was is that the, the, supposedly there are no rules. So I would say, why is there a referee? But yeah. uh, there are no rules. Anything goes, and uh, you the fight, referee fight is to there the to get beat up, right? Well, <laughs> the referee's there to count the guy that can't get up for the fall okay. or, or whatever right. it may be. Mm-hmm. And, but very entertaining type matches, and that's usually, again, the blow-off of a feud, the climax of a feud between mm-hmm. two guys or two tag teams, and it always puts butts Who in the seats. Who was the voice of down there that was so legendary? Actually, that in, wasn't where Jim Ross got started. No, Jim Ross was in Oklahoma. Okay. He was in Oklahoma, and that was the Mid-South area, mm-hmm. and Louisiana, Oklahoma, and they also shared talent with mm-hmm. the Texas Territory, sure. so there was a lot of crossovers. But Jim Ross was there. In Dallas, for many, many, many years, it was a guy named Boyd Pierce. And Boyd was a very unique wrestling announcer in the sense that his, his claim to fame was is that on television, he never wore the same suit twice, and every one of his suits were unbelievably out out of this world. I mean, he had flowers, he had clowns, he had you so, know, polka dots. years and years, he get a different suit? That's what he says. And uh, I, I hooked up with Boyd Pierce back in the late 60s and started trading programs with okay. him. So he was how my, my original Dallas-Fort Worth contact. He would send me their programs, I would send him our Twin City programs, and thus the story is I now have them all. So. Okay, beautiful. Uh, we'll be back with George Shire. This is the Sports Talk version of the Summer Slam Bam here on uh, 1500 ESPN. This is our first ever uh, George Shire Twitter question uh, as we are doing our summer slam bam. Well, we're advanced now. Uh, George uh, George will be with us till 6 o'clock. We got Ray Wiley Hubbard at 5. He's in town at the Dakota, one of the great old Texas boys uh, appearing. And uh, Johnny Height might do a news update or two. But beyond that, George, wall to wall. 651-646-8255. But first, the Twitter question. Uh, this is from Baj2081. Okay. George, two-part question. Whatever happened to Otto Wands from the AWA, and was his signature move the steamroller? Indeed, his signature move was the steamroller. <laughs> Otto Wands, interesting story, and sadly, he just passed away about a year and a half ago. Uh, he passed away, but when he came to the AWA, he had ran a promotion in Austria, in Germany, and he went and approached, he always had tours where he'd bring American wrestlers over to work for his organization. Now, he was a real German. A real German, 100%. Okay. Otto Vance. It was okay. W-A-N-Z, Vance. Yeah, but a Browns Vance. Yeah. And uh, his, his claim to fame was when he came here, fans will remember that he took huge phone books, yellow pages, and he'd rip them in half. Really? One, one after another. I'd be impressed with that. But he had these American wrestlers always coming over for tours, and he approached Vern Gagne in 1982. Mm -hmm. He wanted to come over here to America and wrestle and take Vern Gagne's AWA World Championship Uh from Nick Bockwinkel. And he actually, behind the scenes, people didn't know this at the time, but behind the scenes, he had paid Vern $50,000 to beat Nick 
hold the title for two months, and then be able to go back to Austria claiming that he had held the world championship. Uh-huh. And, of course, that put his stature that much higher there. <laughs> As a wrestler... It left a lot to be desired. Mm-hmm. He he was, uh, but he was a great worker. I mean, he got the fans there. He had a, he had a following, and uh, the only thing that was a shock was when he won the title from Nick Bockwinkel in October of uh, 1982. Everybody literally was stunned because Otto came out of nowhere. And, you know, he came out of nowhere, and Nick was and he beat Nick, Nick. was a fantastic yeah. wrestler in real life. Yeah. And he, and, and he took it for two and a half months and then lost it back to but Nick. But Nick was a good enough trooper that he took the uh, he went along with the oh, script. Huh? Oh yeah, Nick. Nick was you know if you want to call it a company man or whatever. Uh-huh. Which reminds me, I asked Nick one time. I said, you know, how did you get along with Vern Gagne? And he says, you just do what Vern Gagne asks you to do. <laughs> you know. And and Vern and that's Vern. The, that's the success yes. of working with anybody. Exactly. But there were there were a lot of wrestlers that you know, and for probably legitimate reasons, they had issues. Issues working for Vern or the boss, uh, whatever it might mostly be. Mostly money. Right? And it could be money. It could be the push they were getting or yeah, lack thereof, yeah. whatever it is. But the bottom line was, is, is Nick was the guy that told me more than once. He says, you know, work. And he said that about Billy Robinson, too. He says, people didn't want to work with Billy because he was so tough in the ring. And if, Bill, if you, didn't, Bill, you didn't respect Billy, he, he would, uh, he'd really, you know, work you over. Uh-huh. And Nick says, I just asked Billy every time I wrestle him, William, what do you want to do tonight? <laughs> and he says, you let Billy have a little leeway and you have a great match. What was the steamroller? Did he just ran into a guy? Well, it sounds steam- like he wasn't a technical wrestler. Huh? The steamroller was where he'd get his, he'd, Get his opponent flat on his back, and then Allo would do a backflip on him oh, on his really? back. Oh, really? So he, and supposedly, he could do that. Huh? Supposedly, that flattened him out, <laughs> and uh, Otto would win again. Yeah, because what was the yeah, the flip would give you extra momentum to yes. really flatten. Yeah, well, out. and Otto, by the way, was pretty close to three hundred some pounds. He was, oh, okay. he was a big, he was a big dude. man. Yeah, huh? he wasn't he wasn't a little a little guy. And but so when Vern he did was this, in a situation at that point that he had to take the fifty grand. Basically, was he still in good shape? In actually, 82? in nineteen eighty two, there was that was two years before the WWF ex, uh, explosion. So mm-hmm. Vern just did it as a favor. Okay. You know, a lot of times promoters would do that for one another. Did Vern ever do you heard a lot about Japan. People going from here to Japan mm-hmm. to wrestle. Did those guys ever go to Europe or wasn't it uh, wasn't there enough going on over there to, no, to do it? A lot of guys went to Europe. Uh, Larry Hennig was over there. Okay. Uh, in the day and uh, in fact Larry Hennig and uh, Otto Vance uh, remained very good friends uh, up until the day he passed away here a year or so back. Uh, we do have a caller here. Uh, let me, uh, hello there. You got her handled there, Pat? I uh, know uh, you got her. Uh, Ryan. Ryan. Hey, Pat. Yes. What What was Mad Dog with Sean like out of the ring? I'll hang up and listen. Uh, George, uh, you can answer that question. I can answer that question because outside the ring, Mad Dog was a pussycat. Mm-hmm. He was a very kind, very nice man. You know, the thing you have to remember, though, is... In the era that they wrestled, when they protected the business and, you know, everything was 100% real, in order to see the real Mad Dog, you probably didn't if you weren't in that inner circle and you didn't Mm -hmm. have him as a friend or he trusted you. But outside the ring, he was very kind, very cordial. Um, You know, I remember one time uh, I I had never met Butcher Vashad personally. Yes. And I had went up to Butcher. I now, was, they were real brothers. They, they were legit brothers. Mm-hmm. And I had went up to Butcher, Paul Vachon, and approached him. And he was kind of 
backing off a little bit, and mm. Mad Dog immediately stepped in. He says, no, 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 Paul, you talk to him. He's a good guy, good guy, yeah. you know. And once you knew him, <laughs> once you knew him, he was. But he was very nice, very kind man. He, um, When I was at Waterloo a couple years back, I was selling my book. He was selling some pictures on the other side yeah. of the room during the Hall of Fame inductions. And he, he sent his wife over to my table, and she said, uh, Mad Dog wants to buy your book. Mm-hmm. And I looked at her, Kathy is her name, and I said, uh, I'll, I'll be over to see him in just yeah. a minute. So I went over there and I took him a book. I said, uh, Mad Dog, you're not buying my book. Mad Dog used to send me pictures just for no reason in the mail, 8 by 10 photos. I'd get an envelope that would have Omaha, Nebraska on it, where he lived, and I'd get the, these pictures of him that he would send. He'd say, I thought you would enjoy these. So, I mean, there was no way I was going to charge him. One me. more quick question here, George. We've got to be out in a couple of minutes. So, uh, who we got here? This Jesse? is Jason. Jason, what's up? How you doing? Um, I had a question. There was a guy in the early to mid-80s in the NWA Rocket Motion area named the Barbarian who had virtually the identical setup as the Road Warriors, Animal and Hawk. Who had the gimmick first? All know, right. With the chemical and everything. And I'll hang up I think the, the question is the Barbarians or the Road Warriors, who came first? Well, the Road Warriors actually did. And mm-hmm. then there were a lot of ripoffs after that. Mm-hmm. Copycats make money, you know. For every Blackjack Lanza, there was another Blackjack. And who was the? Uh, who were the Barbarians? I remember the Barbarians. Well, well, well we had Nord the Barbarian okay. here. John okay. Nord. And okay. fans will remember that he his family owned a dealership. I think it was in Anoka. Oh, really? And John, he was a local kid. Local kid. He was trained by Eddie Sharkey. Okay. And John Nord, big dude. I mean, he was he had to be six foot yes. six seven and and built. You know, how's just, Eddie doing? Eddie's great. He's still doing he's great. great huh? Eighty two years old and he's wow. going well. Is he? Uh, he probably still shows up for some one oh, yeah. of those with one of those outfits. Yeah, huh? he was at a couple of events this past weekend. Eddie's out there all the time. Okay. Hey, Chris, we might as, we might as well tell our, uh, callers that, uh, we might as well wait till about 340, right? Yeah, to we'll check get in. in Cause them, we absolutely. got, uh, we got, uh, Johnny Height coming on here and we got to find out what Bruce Vale's up to and all that other good stuff. So, uh, we shall return the summer slam bam here on, uh, 1500 ESPN. And now we're going to head out east and we're going to get the Your Money Now report. It comes to us courtesy, excuse me, of Owatonna's own Federated Insurance. Here is Bruce Vale from the Wall Street Journal with Your Money Now. And stocks were higher at today's market close. Investors shrugged off a looming deadline for trade tariffs. The U.S. is set to impose a lot of tariffs on Chinese goods at midnight tonight. The Dow Jones Industrial Average still gained 181 points, closing at 24,356. The Nasdaq Composite Composite rose 83 points, more than 1%. The S&P 500 gained 23. Employment in the private sector remained solid in June. The payroll processing company ADP said employers added 177,000 jobs to their payrolls. That was just a little bit less than expected, though. The Labor Department will release its June jobs report tomorrow, and that one will include government jobs. And breaking news tonight, Environmental Protection Agency Administrator Scott Pruitt has resigned amid a series of allegations over ethics and spending. President Trump said Mr. Pruitt's deputy, Andrew Wheeler, would become acting administrator of the EPA on Monday. I'm Bruce Vale with your money now on 1500 ESPN. All righty. Thank you, Bruce. This traffic sponsored by Renai. Uh, there's... 
There's nothing going on. There's no traffic. Make There's, it up then. Well, there is one thing. Okay, we have a stall. It's at 94 westbound at Marion Street. The right lane there is partially blocked, so it's a, a little bit uh, off the road, so be careful with that. Again, a stall, 94 westbound at Marion Street. Other than that, uh, everything is light. Uh, there's no traffic anywhere. And uh, as uh, my friend Mr. Harrigan said this morning, if uh, you're having problems, it's your own fault. So there you go. Meet the all-new Renai Sensei tankless water heater, offering an endless supply of hot water, significant energy savings, and Wi-Fi monitoring. Visit tanklessismore.com to see why tankless is more. Five Eyewitness News weather forecast, 85 tomorrow. Then we hit the 90s. Right now, it's 80. Here's Johnny Height with a quick news update on the Summer Slam Bam Show. <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. <laughs> It's sunny at 82 degrees. Twins back home tonight, kicking off a four-game series against the Orioles at Target Field. Aaron Slagers brought back up from Rochester. He'll start this one for the Twins. Righty Andrew Kashner pitches for Baltimore. Should be a good series, Johnny. Two evenly matched teams. <laughs> yeah. I have a quick question for I you, I like their sir. lineup better. but uh, When what? has your earliest declaration of see you in Fort Myers come? <laughs> Because are we getting close? Oh, oh, we've already Mother's Day. Well we, past. We've it, already right? went well past. You it. haven't given it the official. I don't see think in I've been Myers. to. I haven't been to a game to announce it in the press box like I usually do. But <laughs> right. I haven't. Uh, yeah, but it's 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 officially over. Uh, like three weeks ago or a month ago. So. Links in action tonight. They're playing Los Angeles at the Target Center. Ooh, it'll be jumping. I hope mm-hmm. we give them a little better effort than we did a couple of days ago. What Oof. was that about, Johnny? Yeah, that was ridiculous. I bet Coach Reeve wasn't happy. <laughs> You're probably right. It she wasn't, the- I can guarantee it wasn't her fault. <laughs> Did she use the nobody believed in us after we lost to a team with one win? Yeah, well, that's what you'll use tonight oh, if they beat course. the Sparks. Yeah. Yeah. Electronic technology might be coming to the Nathan's famous hot dog eating this contest. Is good, this is right out of wrestling, George. Listen to this story. Rick Shea, the president of Major League Eating, which sanctions the event. <laughs> Major League Eating. Told ESPN Today that, quote, yesterday's incident might be the impetus to bring competitive eating into the digital age. Mm-hmm. The original hot dog and bun count for Joey Chestnut was 64 but eventually was increased to a record 74 when it was discovered that two cleared plates were missed. Competitor Carmen... How, how do you miss a plate yeah. of dogs, Johnny? No idea. Uh-huh. Competitor Carmen Sincati was slighted even more. His unofficial count was 45. Officially, he ended with 64. Shea, wow. And this affected the betting line, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Shea said, we were embarrassed. And while even NFL referees make mistakes at the highest level, we have to show an effort to change the old way. This isn't your father's hot dog eating contest. (laughs) ESPN reported earlier in the week that offshore sports books had taken more than $1 million in bets on the contest. Chestnut going from 64 hot dogs and buns to 74 instantaneously made winners out of those who took the over and losers for those who bet the under. Offshore Book Pinnacle said the amount of bets it took on the contest added up to what it takes for an average Major League Baseball game. Now, how game. are they going to do this electronically? Are you going to put a little uh, sensor in each dog, or what's going to happen here? Well, as Shea said, and I don't know how this would work, he said, I doubt that we can put the microchip on the tongue or in the esophagus. Mm-hmm. Some sort of monitoring associated with the plate weight would be more practical. Mm-hmm. He said technology would also help clear the stage a bit. He said there's no doubt we have to have fewer people up there because it all contributes to the confusion. You know, if I was running the hot dog contest, no water. You cannot water the bun. I want them all to choke to death. (laughs) You cannot water the bun. The idea of they're not eating them, they're swallowing them. That's true. What's the difference? 
Because you're supposed to eat a, it says hot dog eating, eating contest. contest. It doesn't say hot dog swallowing contest. I get one of those big buns, you know, that are bigger than the, way bigger than the dog and make them eat the, eat in hey, the hey, 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 That's swallowing yours, no chewing. You know how crazy Bill Musselman was? Hmm. You know, as far as attractions and, you know, he had the pregame, sure. Sweet Georgia Brown and the whole thing, but. He was the his second and third, maybe fourth year here. He started the Pillsbury Classic out at at uh, Met Center. They had a, a four team tournament. They brought in good teams and had a four team tournament. But he somehow ran across this guy who could really eat pizzas. He was like a fantastically large guy. He should say, "You should see this guy eat pizzas." So he. His halftime entertainment was a guy eating pizzas. Wow. <laughs> and the guy just woofing down pizzas. And, of course, we're such rubes. We ate oh, all. We loved the, it, didn't and, we? No, well, the fans did, but the university was very offended by the gluttony and everything. Oh. So he was. Were they worried he was, was going to choke to death? He was told that they could no longer have the, have the pizza eater as part of his halftime show. Man. Uh, news notes from today. Big breaking news this afternoon. Scott Pruitt. <laughs> Man. We finally got rid of him. <laughs> resigning from his position leading the Environmental Protection Agency after months of high-profile controversy regarding his spending, ethics, and management at the agency. What finally got him? Well, there, we're not sure. Uh, actually, President Trump announced it in a tweet. And mm-hmm. all he said was, I've accepted the resignation of Scott Pruitt. Within the agency, Scott has done an outstanding job, and I will always be thankful to him for this. Uh, he says he's uh, the Senate had confirmed, of course, the deputy Andrew Wheeler. So on Monday, Wheeler will take over as acting administrator of the EPA. They, uh, I saw, I read something this weekend about some latest. I think some of his employees had turned on him, right? And then he was. He, now I know what it was. So uh, they were seeking retri. He was seeking retribution. He fired these people for no reason. For no reason, yeah. And the the woman confronted him in the restaurant. Yes, the mother. So I'm sure. I'm sure that's not very good pub for the president either. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pruitt engulfed in high-profile scandals under fire by both parties in recent months regarding spending taxpayer money, uh, his close relationships with lobbyists and industry, and allegations he used government resources and staff for personal gain. He's also facing more than a federal dozen investigations over the controversies, including from the Office of the Inspector General, the U.S. <laughs> Office of Special Counsel, and the House Oversight oh, and Government oh, Reform Oh, I know Committee. what it was. One mm-hmm. of his latest was he had employees putting his hotel rooms on their credit cards and then waiting forever to reimburse them. <laughs> that was one of his deals. Uh, he also, I don't know if you saw this, uh, this came out a couple days ago, he apparently told the president to fire Jeff Sessions, and that he would take Sessions' place as Attorney General. Yeah. Mm. But the president okay. uh, didn't agree with that move. Mm. didn't do it. After serving more than seven years in prison for fraud, Denny Hecker was released Tuesday, according to the Federal Bureau of Prisons. He'd been staying in a Minneapolis halfway house since February. He was sentenced in 2011 to 10 years in prison for his crimes, which included defrauding lenders out of millions by falsifying loan documents. His initial release date scheduled for July 2019, but it was later changed to July 2018. Bureau of Prisons representatives declined to explain the change last year. The Bureau did not return messages seeking comment yesterday. President Trump getting ready to slap tariffs on Chinese goods just after midnight tomorrow for a shot in a trade war between the world's two biggest economies. 
Tariffs on $34 billion of Chinese goods scheduled to take uh, take effect at 12.01 a.m. According to the U.S. Trade Representative, the milestone marks a new and damaging phase in a conflict that's roiled markets and cast a shadow over the global growth network. In Beijing, policymakers there digging in for what they think could be a a protracted fight, one in which they say they won't be the aggressor. They own half of the, like, New York and stuff, don't Mm -hmm. they? What are they going to do here? Uh, Starbucks. Okay. Did you see this? Oh, God. What happened now? Oh, yeah. Says we got more, uh, we got yeah. more seminars Let's coming up? Let's just put it this way. The sensitivity training that we had didn't take effect for all oh, of the employees. Okay. Yeah. Starbucks says an employee in Philadelphia has been fired after reportedly mocking a customer with a stutter. The coffee chain says the behavior did not reflect the Who experience. Who hasn't done that? <laughs> did not you reflect know. the experience customers should have and said the employee mm-hmm. is no longer with Starbucks. Mm-hmm. A customer posted Sunday on Facebook his friend stuttered when giving his name. He said the barista then made light of it verbally and spelled the name with extra letters on his cup of coffee. <laughs> the friend could emailed- have been a wrestler, this guy. He could have been a taunting wrestler, George. The friend emailed Starbucks and was offered $5 as an apology, according to the Post. Well, that's plenty. (laughs) In May, of course, Starbucks held anti-racial bias training for thousands of U.S. employees after a worker at another Philadelphia store called police on two black men waiting for a friend. So now are we going to have stuttering training then at Starbucks? Mm -hmm. I guess we'll have have to close the stores for one day to to work Mm -hmm. on that. A man with a couple of pounds of marijuana got himself arrested by sending a text message to the wrong number, according to police in Virginia. The Fairfax County Police Department posted a picture of a text that read, HMU, if you want to get together, I've got some nice ins that we can burn. Uh, the problem for the man is he accidentally sent it to a Fairfax police officer. How, how do they do that, Johnny? They um, keep sending him. How would the guy have a, a Fairfax police officer in his phone? Or did he just dial the wrong number? I'm wondering because, you know, once in a while I'll get a random text. It's And it'll just say, hey, what's up? Mm-hmm. And I always think it's just a cop looking to see if he's, that's what I always just assume it is. No. I didn't. We, we get one of these a week, Johnny, that somebody's notifying the cops of their crime. Well, my right guess now. is business is light for this particular guy, so he's looking to broaden his customer base. Oh, Narcotics detectives kept the conversation going, set up with a meeting with a man who was not identified, and he was uh, then arrested with more than a pound of marijuana. All right, sir. Thank you. You bet. Uh, Johnny Hyde, and we'll be back with the Summer Slam Bam. George Shire is in uh, for a couple more hours here of uh, AWA Wrestling Talk. We'll talk about uh, George's uh, newest book and his almost newest book. Uh, They're both on the burner here in a minute. But first, we have Dan. Dan, what's up? Yeah, Patrick. I've got an Andre the Giant story that was told to me by Jim Brunzel a number of years ago. I knew Brunzy vaguely from college, from IM Ball. So, so here's the story. Uh, it was. Are you asking George days. for confirmation here, or what? Huh? Are you asking George for confirmation here, or what? No, I just thought you okay. you would enjoy the story. I tried to call it in on Saturday one time, but your okay. big fat thumbs got in the way okay. and I got dropped. All right, uh, give it to us quick, will you? I can do it. Uh, they do a show in Denver. They're motoring across either Kansas or Nebraska on seventy or. 80 uh, in the middle of the night after the Friday night show to do a Saturday show in Oklahoma or Kansas City. 
They're in the big black Cadillac. Greg's driving. They're going 80 or 90 miles an hour and nobody there. Andre's in the back seat. Uh, they get pulled over for speeding by the highway patrol. The cop comes up to the window, shines the flashlight in, license and registration. Uh, Greg gives it to him. He says, what's in the back seat? That's Andre. Turns the flashlight on the Andre in the back seat. <laughs> Andre is back there. This is back in the day of returnable bottles. Case of beer on either side. <laughs> 20-piece bucket of fried chicken in his lap, <laughs> lifts up this head the size of a basketball and gives that big, goofy smile to the cop. Brenzel said that the, the cop's face just dropped, and basically they told him what was going on. He said, okay, well, guys, slow it down, and you know, <laughs> went away shaking his head. I you would imagine uh, seeing that at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning in the middle of nowhere all right, in Kansas Dan. or Nebraska. Thank you, sir. So uh, Andre uh, does uh, allegedly have had a rather large appetite, right? Andre drink some beer. Yeah, the stories are well documented about <laughs> Andre drinking two cases of beer and following it up with wine and not seeming to be even <laughs> even uh, phased by it. But um, how long did he make it? He didn't make it. To, did he make it to forty? It was uh, forty three, I okay. believe, when he All passed right. away, and that's twenty five years ago now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he he died in his sleep. You know, he had that. Mm-hmm. I, I forget the name a- that of that apnea. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, he. Most people tell you that outside the ring, in real life, Andre was a very miserable human. Oh, really? Because he he didn't enjoy being stared at. He didn't enjoy being as big as he was and as uncomfortable as he was all the time. But of course, he was a big attraction in wrestling. Probably one of the five. Major attractions in the history of pro wrestling, I would think. Well, definitely so. And and Vince McMahon Sr. was the one that uh, was the, he controlled Andre's bookings. So every year he would loan Andre out to all of the territories Mm -hmm. for a week or two or three at a time. And they would come in. So when they'd come into the AWA, uh, there'd be Andre, you know, in for the annual battle royal or whatever it was going to be. Yep. And you always had the story who's going to beat him, you know. And there'd be four guys that he'd be back in. He'd be in there with four guys at the end, and they'd all be trying to get him out of the yeah. ring, right? Yeah. Speaking of the book, uh, I want to mention when you talk road stories that Dan had mentioned, and he mentioned Jimmy Brunzel. I'll put out a, a note here. Jimmy Brunzel, if fans are interested, has put out a great book called Matt Lands. Yep. And it's basically road stories that Jimmy put together himself of all his travels with the boys in their big Cadillacs and Oldsmobiles driving across the byways and highways. And some of them are hilarious, some behind-the-scenes stuff. And if you can get it, just go online, look for Matt Lance by Jumping Jim Brunzel. It's a good book. What do we have here, uh, Chris? Who's call, Who's this? This is Bob. Bob, what's up? I guess I had to ask if you remember the wrestler named Pride Baby Cannon. I think he, in 1962... Sure do. Crybaby Cannon, George Crybaby Cannon. His his gimmick when he worked here for Vern was that when he, he didn't often win, and when he'd lose, which was often, he would literally sit in the middle of the ring on on his fanny, and he would start to cry. Okay. Plus the name Crybaby Cannon. He went on to be a great wrestling manager, though, and he also did continue to wrestle, but he went on to be a great wrestling manager, mostly in the Detroit territory, working for the Sheik. Still, Cryberry, still called Crybaby Cannon? Still called Crybaby Cannon. He also managed one version of the Kangaroos, Al Costello and Don Kent, okay. back in the late 70s, and they did work some I Chicago I cannot remember this cards. guy. How long was he around here? Oh, he was around here for a about 
maybe two, three years in okay. the early 60s. So he, uh, any time he lost, which any time he lost, time, which was all the time, mm-hmm. he would sit in the ring and cry. <laughs> and I've actually got pictures of him. He's got real tears and everything. So Did he go with the diaper and everything? No, too? no, no, no. Okay. He didn't get they, that carried they'd away. They say but. the hardest part of uh, being an actor was the being able to cry on cue, and George yeah. could do it. Huh? George Cannon could do it, and he, like I say, he became a very good manager. He was a good talker on the mic. What was so, his? Uh, if he ever won, did he have a? Sell, did he cry for joy then when he won? <laughs> no, or no. Well, I don't recall him winning, so I can't tell you. <laughs> well, uh, everybody came to see him sit. That's the, right. Nobody wanted to see him that's win, right? right? They that's all wanted. Right. So, how did the crowd? Uh, they probably received him with. Uh, well, they just boo him. A lot of insults. He was a bad guy. They just boo him. Tell him to grow up. Tell him to you know get over it. You know that sort of thing. And, Beautiful. I never yeah. heard of that. And he one. he formed a tag team for a while with a really a lookalike partner. They. They looked alike. Crybaby Cannon was a big, round, plump guy. Yeah. And he had a partner named George Baby Blimp Harris. <laughs> and they wrestled. They lost all the time. And, no, they actually had some winning, but this was down in the southern part of the country, and they wrestled as the Harris brothers, Crybaby and George Harris. Oh, okay. So right. they had different lives. All right. We'll be back. All right, uh, George Shires with us, AWA Wrestling. Jack, what's up, Jack? Just had a quick question. I grew up a little kid. I was in the hockey today. Hello? Me was guys called the Bailajan brothers. Two brothers, the Bailajan brothers, always scared the heck out of me when they were working out in the backyard. Can you speak to them a little bit? I'll hang up and listen. Thank you, Jack. Yes, the Bailajans, there was actually a family of five here in the Twin Cities in the 50s, we had two of them, actually three of them that were here on a pretty much regular basis. The most noted was Paul Bailerjean. These are the real names? Real names, Bailerjean. Okay. They were Canadians, okay. French Canadians. And uh, if you look at Bailerjean, you'd never never pronounce it the way it yeah. looks. But uh, Paul Bailerjean was kind of a, a strong guy. And then he had his brother, Tony. And there was Adrian, the mm-hmm. younger Bailerjean okay. here. Okay. But there was also another one, and I guess he did wrestle here a little bit, too. It was Lionel uh, okay. Baylor-Jean. But there were a total of five of them. They were big stars in the 50s. And they lived here? Lived they, in were, they, were in, they were in Canada, but they did work for the Minneapolis okay. Wrestling Club at times. Uh, hard-boiled Haggerty wrestled against Paul okay. Baylor-Jean. Okay. Vern Gagne teamed with him. They were probably good guys. Yep. Oh, yeah, very much. Uh-huh. Very popular family. And, uh, okay, the Baylor-Jeans. Yep. I, I can't remember them either. Uh of course, not all French-Canadian families were good guys. We did have the Butcher and Mad Dog. Well, the Butcher and the Mad Dog, but you remember they were from Algeria. <laughs> <laughs> we did not admit they were from French. No, they, they were, were they from were, French Canada. They, they were from they, Quebec, yeah, though, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, from Quebec, Quebec, however you want to say I it. Was gonna, you were talk, we were talking about Mad Dog earlier. I was going to tell us the little story about... I was in this drinking league that bowled on Wednesdays, you know. It was a, see how much you could drink, and then you bowled. And on Wednesday afternoons, and all the money for the bowling went into the kitty for the the end-of-the-year party. And we had it at Southview Country Club, and Marty was still in the league then. And Marty lined up Mad Dog to be the entertainment singing. And oh. Mad Dog, I remember Mad Dog singing Wagon Wheels, which is one of the most sentimental songs of all time. Yeah. And we were like Crybaby, uh, whatever. Well, Crybaby Cannon. We were like Crybaby Cannon. We were all drunk and, and crying as Mad Dog sang Wagon Wheels to us. And, you know, Butcher Vashon, <laughs> his brother, had yeah. a great voice. Really? They used to go, when they wrestled in St. Paul, they would always go over to um, Gallivan's. 
Yes. In downtown oh, sure. St. Paul. Yeah. They would go over there after the matches, and if you went in there after the St. Paul Auditorium matches, you'd hear Butcher bellowing out at the top of his lungs, and he had a great voice. And, of course, their sister, Vivian, Vivian. she also, uh, she actually had a, a record that she recorded, and she had a good voice as well. Briefly married to? She was married to Buddy Wolf. Buddy Wolf. Briefly, Briefly married yep. to Buddy Wolf. Yep. Yes, that's right. And Buddy Wolf, one of the two... Uh, guys that uh, fought Muhammad Ali down in Chicago. That is Buddy correct. Wolf and, Buddy uh, Wolf and Kenny J. Kenny, our guy Kenny J. Yep. Yes, one of a rare loss in Kenny. The the Sodbuster's still doing okay though. He right? is. He's good. He's eighty. I think he's eighty two. He just turned eighty two. I told you the only time he ever went four and zero was when he threw me, my brother Highland, and Augustine <laughs> out of the uh, court bars. So. Uh, Undefeated that evening. All right, we shall return the uh, Summer Slam Bam here. We're going to have Ray Wiley Hubbard on about five, but beyond that, it's George uh, for the entire hour.